Hey yo, happy Juneteenth. This is Tariq at Diaspora Tiff. Just wanted to wish you a happy Juneteenth. Hope all is well in light of everything that's going on. There's a lot going on in America and a lot going on abroad. But please stay tuned to diasportif.com. It's www.diasportif.com. It's technical sporting culture, the intersection of all those things. And right now it seems like more than ever, this is the topic. Enjoy. This is going to be an interview with Tariq and a friend of mine, the Lord, DallasSportsChief.com. Strength and diversity, diversity and strengths. Peace. Hey, welcome to Diasportif Radio. We are live in studio in Beta House, doing a little episode with uh, my man Gillard, uh, one of the managers of the Neukölln location. Um, young man from Curacao uh, with a bright future ahead of him. Uh, Gillard, say what's up. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Gillard, Lord Gill, and we're chilling. Uh, you know, we we having good vibe. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm in Dia Sportive now. <laughs> we live, baby. Yeah, welcome to the team, man. Um, this is um this is a special episode. We're doing a episode for a holiday, um, a very special holiday to me. Uh, I've been celebrating it since I was a child, and in light of recent activities and what's going on in the current political climate here and abroad, here being Berlin, Germany, and abroad being everywhere else in the world. Um, we feel it's our duty to, to, to talk about this African-American holiday um, and to talk about a couple other things and how the climate in Berlin, especially in the startup and co-working spaces, isn't the most diverse. And maybe throughout this conversation, maybe we'll have some ideas, some solutions, but you know, it's not about anything else besides trying to think critically about something. And we're no experts. Um, we have worked in the field. I'm currently working in the field. And um, yeah, we, um, you know, we are both black men. <laughs> Where that's that's like we should start off with that. I'm a black man. Gilord, would you describe yourself as a black man as well? Me? Nunca, nunca, papi, nunca, nunca. No, no, no. Me negro, nunca, nunca. Of course, I'm a black man. I'm from the Caribbean. So yes, I am a black man, and I'm proud to be a black man. Uh, I think it's it's so beautiful when I when I think of um, the kind of like your story, or just kind of thinking of like who you are. Mm -hmm. Versus kind of who I am in a sense. Like we're both black men and people will probably see us as brothers. People will mm -hmm. see us as this is a cousin, this is family friend. But no 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 heritage shared yeah. that we know of. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. I grew up in the suburbs, a white suburb. I think that's a funny thing, suburb. Yeah, it's different from how I grew up. Mm. I mean, for, for me, 
like I think especially because you're from the U.S. I'm from Curacao, and I think um, the the climate in which uh, racism and discrimination happens is, and you know, it's more highlighted in where where you come from compared to where I come from, because obviously uh, Curacao is a former Dutch colony. So we had instances, especially for our students that uh, travels to the Netherlands to study and everything faces the, these things on a daily basis. But primarily in where I grew up, we didn't really had these like in front of you. So I think it's interesting to see both from our background and perspective to see how we experience this today and how we think uh, there could be more inclusive inclusivity. Yeah. Definitely. That's a new word I've learned from him. So inclusivity. It's um yeah, a little different than diversity, but I mm. think what we all are what we should be striving for is is inclusivity because you know when you see things like a Volkswagen commercial that's very offensive, or you see like an H and M shirt that's very offensive. Oh yeah. What that really reveals is the lack of inclusivity from the top to bottom. Yeah. From, yeah. You know, from top to bottom, from the mm. stores. It's someone's responsibility to put that out. It's someone's responsibility to print that, to design that, yeah. to go through like the checks and balances. So yeah. it's, you know, we, we, we think that checks and balances are necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in terms of background, I'm from the suburbs and I grew up in a very white environment. Mm -hmm. My parents are very black. My, my mom's a civil rights like leader from Alabama, from Selma, Alabama. Mm -hmm. My father was... Um, military man helped to create um, a black nationalist group in America called us which is actually the reason why Kwanzaa exists okay um, so that was um, okay growing up I mean I was definitely very pro-black growing up in like a 95% white community um, how was that like man it was it was difficult man I mean I remember I mean, I didn't hear, like, no one said, like, nigga too early, but what I did hear that, that shocked me and, like, it, it took me time to kind of really come to, to grips with it was, uh, and this is a trigger warning as well, yeah. like, it was someone I, I really grew up with and they, they said, as kids, like, as kids, like six, maybe, between the ages of four and six, something like, I wish you were dead like Martin Luther King. And it was a really deep cutting racial overtone. And like, you know, it's not necessarily, it's tricky to say if it's racist, but mm -hmm. it's, there's race involved, but there's also like, it's, it, it's, it's layered because you have like, how was he killed? How was Martin Luther King killed? By like the CIA, by like the government, mm -hmm. like they totally, needed to wipe him out yeah and now they like you know like his last birthday they celebrated like you like know, say like hey like happy yes. birthday mlk like you guys killed this man yeah so yeah i think it's, it's interesting to come back and come full circle with that and do some thinking about the idea of um you know i never talked about that the, the, i think my my friend at the time got grounded mm -hmm. but it was an interesting but thing and so i think this i learned this this really early was that if I'm honest with my white friends about the times that they have like had these like racial like 
racial moments. slurs or racial racializing moments. Mm-hmm. Like, they get like a timeout, and it's okay. But it, but I think it also like affected me in the sense of like, this is like my only friend. Mm. You know, so I was like, okay, well you can okay go to timeout like, okay, and uh, and I'm just gonna play by myself. I was mm. an only child, so it, it, mm. that kind of feeling of like. All right, if I have to tell the truth and be honest and like say that, like you are going to be like maybe not offended, but like the the consequences also are kind of different. Like it needs to be a conversation, it needs to be like a awareness showing, not just punishment. Yeah, now it's interesting that you say that, which brings me to another point that I think you might have an interesting take on. Obviously, racism from my opinion is thought. Or do you share the same opinion that racism is taught? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in terms of my family, for example, it's been three generations ago we were slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, subjugated to the rule of other people and not allowed to make money and not allowed to own stuff and being people's property. Mm-hmm. That mindset is still in, in the minds of people today. Like, And it's 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 in different ways. You know, America's gone through... Slavery, you know, they went through uh, redlining, and especially redlining. Growing up in the suburbs in the in like the '90s, wow, I don't know how my parents did that. Did that? That is that like they they are superheroes for that. Hmm. Like how they were the only black family in this neighborhood that was all white, good high school. Like a lot of my classmates went to good colleges just by going to regular high school. You know, we had one black family behind us, and that was interesting, but at the same time, it was, um, you know, that black is also not a monolith. So mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, my, my father, I also knew from a young age, my father's version of blackness and his black experience and my mother's black experience was also very different. Mm-hmm. I think the black family behind me was a bit younger. So what do you mean by that? Just um, the, the my parents are about seven. My, my father's like seventy. My mother's like sixty-five. Mm-hmm. So I think these parents are a bit like like forties, fifties, like just just another generation. Mm-hmm. And I think their experiences were different because I know they went to like college in upstate New York, and like I know that that couldn't have been easy. There must have been a lot of experiences for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, I think they also had a different experience because they spent a lot of time, especially with their kids, going back to the city, mm-hmm. doing things in the city, but also enjoying the privileges of having a really nice house, you know, like in the suburbs and kind of detached from black community, detached from seeing black doctors, black lawyers, black school bus drivers, mm-hmm. black chefs, black restaurants, black teachers. And I think that's that's the part where I think that me and you have a difference, especially is yeah, that you, you incubated in that. Yeah, uh, that is what I was curious about. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, for me, especially I'm a generation after you. And I think that has to do more with the fact that I see that, you know, I would have this sense that there's there's less of that happening because of what, you know, um, I grew up in an era of social media. What you see is, you know, it's more highlighted too, but you feel different about the generation previous. Mm-hmm. So my, I was curious to know how does it happen or what was the process of your parents 
moving in a completely white suburb? What was the reason? How did they end up there? And why do you know why do you have these rare locations of uh, black family in a white suburb? Um, they, they wanted me to have a better future than they did. That's okay. That's that's that the, the bottom line. That's the bottom line. That's, okay. That's all they really. That's what they really stressed. They wanted me to have a. They wanted me to have a really good education, and they realized that by moving to this neighborhood, mm -hmm. it's a good school district, high taxes. But I also recognized from a young age that it was, I was isolated. You know, um, growing up in elementary school is like two black kids, then a third black kid, and middle school, high school, it was it was really like five of us, like so, like five, five black men as as friends. And our futures, our present, was is all different. You know, none of us live in Buff. One of us lives in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. The rest of us also realize that Buffalo has its segregation. So also to say suburbs in Buffalo means something, but also to be like it's truly, truly segregated. Yeah. Okay. Like it's not just like the suburbs are like one thing. Mm -hmm. But but even the city of Buffalo is very, very segregated. Still today, would you to argue? Still like white, Italian, Puerto Rican, you know, like uh, Irish. South Buffalo is very Irish. When I went back home last time, uh, my father passed away. I went to a bar that I'd never gone to before. Like I hung out with some friends. Was it an Irish bar? Yeah, it was an Irish bar. It was <laughs> like, I was like, I am so uncomfortable because I realized I am the only person of color here. Mm-hmm. But I'm also in this like weird grieving state where like my father just passed away mm -hmm. and I just need to like be, be around, around friends, mm -hmm. you know, and like that was the most important thing. So I really, I really appreciated my friends for mm -hmm. taking me out and they always showed me a good time. You but know? you, you, you felt the type of way about it. I, it's, it's, it's more recognizing it, you know, like mm -hmm. also realizing like, you know, in, in that, in that close friend circle is like me Al and Oz and we are all very close friends with a, this group of like majority white kids but we all left you know we're all not that that close maybe it's opportunities in other places but it's also not seeing yourself as striving in Buffalo mm, okay you know I mean I'm curious about something that you've mentioned which is that you know, you felt definitely awkward for the fact that you were the only black person, especially. I mean, we see that on a daily basis from where we're currently uh, living. But my question to you is, what exactly makes you feel uncomfortable about that? Because from my point of view, I barely feel uncomfortable because for me, it's like I am the only one that is black here. So I feel like I'm super special, but I can imagine for others, it's oh, there's no other of us here, so I feel awkward. So what, what is it for you that, you that makes you feel awkward about it? It's, it's, a, it's a mix of both. Um, I, I've, I think, yeah, when I was younger, living in Hawaii, especially, it was like, I was, again, like the only black guy. Mm -hmm. Like, even when I moved to Bushwick, and a lot of places in Brooklyn, I was the only black guy. And like, it's, it's not so deep power it's not it, it's not like i like lose like something in me by not seeing people who look like me mm -hmm. but it's also just this idea of like why are there not more people who look like me in these spaces why do i not see my reflection and the the, the, the critical thinking that ensues 
when you realize that you've grown up in these spaces and you also realize that you know other people have grown up in these spaces and maybe they have the same opportunities maybe they don't but something about seeing a reflection and also seeing your reflection in a positive light mm -hmm. I think living in Berlin is living in Berlin is uh, very much a uh, it's very much an interesting perspective in terms of seeing black men in a positive light. In a positive light, that is. Okay. Because, you know, there's one park that everyone knows about since the, since the moment they get to Berlin. Everybody knows about Gorlitzer Park. Mm -hmm. Either you're going there to buy weed, going there to, like, hang out, walking through it to go to the clubs at night, mm -hmm. but everybody knows Gorlitzer Gorley. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that is actually one of these hubs of black men selling drugs, S selling mm -hmm. drugs, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who are oppressed by a society that won't give them a true opportunity. You know, like it would be very different if the police offered jobs for people instead of like or like a work program instead of just arresting people. And especially because it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's like you, you visibly see black drug dealers, but then you actually know white drug dealers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's very, it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an interesting kind of like thought. It's like the visible, the visible portrayal is that as a black man standing outside for too long. You're probably dealing. Probably dealing, mm -hmm. you know. And I, you know, we've, I've been profiled waiting in the park for our runs on Saturday, mm -hmm. even during Corona. People asking me, "Hey, man, uh, you know, I can get some some weed around here." And I would just like, be like, Dude, really, no. like, bro, like, it's it's Corona. I'm not going to give you a hand to hand transaction right now. And also, I'm not a dealer, <laughs> so like, I don't. It, it's it's funny how blackness is, though. It's like it's, you can say blackness isn't a monolith, but it's so interesting that. White people in the park will just go up to black people and assume that they will sell. Yeah. Have you have you had that experience in Gorlitz? Do you have had, you hang out in Gorlitz, sir? No. Why? Not? I mean, I mean, for me. Well, when I think about it, I just don't. You know, the area is like. I don't want to walk and always be interrupted by. Hey, you want some? You want some? You know, when the idea for me. You know, I respect the entrepreneur's hustle, but I just don't want to walk and feel interrupted. However, there was once I was standing there and somebody actually thought that I was selling. I was like, wow, that's funny. You know, I can buy you. I can buy your whole family and you think I'm, I'm here selling this shit. But um, I, for me, it's like, you know, not because of what's happening, but I literally wouldn't want to go to a park to be constantly interrupted by hey do you want this and do you want that do you have wallpapers do you have a lighter do you have to buy yeah it's like I'd rather just hang out by myself you know <laughs> outside the park sitting by myself so nobody can bother me so that is that it is it, it's more for me like that is the reason why I don't go to that park but uh, I've had once that somebody really thought that I was selling Mm. And I was like, I can buy your whole family, but hey, I'm out here selling rocks. <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, that is for me. But um, I think it's yes. I think indeed it is. Uh, but interesting that you've mentioned this whole concept, which was where I want to get to next is the idea that, you know, people or everybody's, you know, my hypothesis is that everybody's a hypocrite, everybody's biased, everybody makes generalizations because that's an easier way for your brain to go through the day 
how would you expect or before we go about moving forward what is something that could be done on the very short term midterm to change this whole idea that just because you saw a black person doesn't mean he's selling drugs it's tricky it's tricky because it's it's like even hanging out near like a basketball court someone's Mm -hmm. gonna assume i play basketball but that's also because i'm in an arena near a basketball court yeah i mean yeah and that's my point what um what i mean is obviously we do want to see black people in a more positive light because we actually do so much positive so many positive stuff but my question to you is to what extent or what's the fine line in between having a positive generalization between a negative generalization because if you're standing right next to the court i expect you kind of have some passion for basketball Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't expect it to be wrong to ask you hey do you shoot basketball Mm -hmm. so what is your take on that and where do you draw the line or where do you think the draw the line should be drawn don't don't just interrupt black people and don't think that they have like any type of like train of thought or like Mm -hmm. reason to not be bothered because Mm -hmm. like even if you're asking for a lighter, and I might have one, like, there's, I'm usually not sitting in a field by myself, like, it's the sound of music. Okay. So, like, okay. you know, like, and even if I say no or yes, like, you know, but at the same time, it's it's really important to be a community and to be honest and to, to treat mm. people as humanely as you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. But also, if I don't have a lighter, I'm probably going to go to the store. Yeah. Like, because I'm probably going to realize I'd want a lighter later in the day or something, yeah. you know? Even just to open a beer or something. Like, mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah. It's, it's like, we don't want to be bothered just like you wouldn't want to be bothered. Yeah. So don't think just because I'm here, I need whatever, or I have whatever you need. Yeah, it's like a bottle person or yeah. something. Or like the guy selling samosas. Like, you know, you're kind of like, like, thanks, but no thanks. But like, it's also someone... It's, it's also, I remember having this conversation with my ex-wife. I was like, yo, like, you have your cigarettes on the top of your back. Mm-hmm. Some dude is not going to care who you are, but is going to see that and ask you for a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moments later. They came to. Some dude sat down, hey, can I have a cigarette? <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was just like, wow, like, this really, like, just, just trying to understand how people act and like yeah. if you see something of opportunist, so they're gonna ask. Even know, though maybe he had his own cigarettes. Yeah. It was maybe. probably like I can get one for free, keep one for later. Entrepreneur, <laughs> think about it. You know. Gotta make these racks on racks on top of racks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stacks on top <laughs> stack of racks. Stack of stacks. Yeah. Fanito A. But yeah, okay. Um then I wanna take you or you know, you you brought up an interesting concept to me that I never actually heard about, which is Juneteenth, okay. right? Um, explain this to me as if you know I were five years old. How would you how would you explain this in simple terms for people to understand well, this I'll, concept? I'll give you the the good Wikipedia definition, okay, um, and then I'll give you a little bit of how how I, you've experienced I, it, I experienced yeah. It. Uh, So it says here on Wikipedia, Juneteenth, uh, also known as Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, and Liberation Day, is an unofficial American holiday celebrated on the 19th of June in the United States to commemorate the Union Army General Gordon Granger's Mm -hmm. reading of federal orders in the city of Galveston, Texas, on the 19th of June, 1865, proclaiming that all enslaved persons in the United States of Of Texas. Texas... we're now free. 
Although, oh, although the Emancipation Proclamation had formally freed them almost two and a half years earlier, and the American Civil War had largely ended with the defeat of the Confederate States in April, Texas was the most remote of the slave states with a low presence of Union troops, so enforcement of the proclamation had been slowing and inconsistent. Celebrations date to 1866, at first involving church-centered community gatherings in Texas. It spread across the South and became more commercialized in the 1920s and 1930s, often centering on a food festival. During the civil rights movement of the 1960s, it was eclipsed by the struggle for post-war civil rights, but grew in popularity again in the 1970s with a focus on African-American freedom and arts. By the 21st century, Juneteenth was celebrated in most major cities across the United States. Activists are campaigning for the United States Congress to recognize Juneteenth as a national holiday. Juneteenth is recognized as a state holiday or special day of, of observance in 47 of the 50 U.S. states. Modern observation is primarily in local celebrations. Traditionally, like public readings of the Emancipation Proclamation, singing traditional songs such as Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and Lift Every Voice and Sing, mm -hmm. and reading of works by noted African-American writers such as Ralph Elson and Maya Angelou. Celebrations include rodeos, street fairs, cookouts, cookouts. family reunions, mm -hmm. park parties, historical reenactments, and Miss Juneteenth contest. The Masagos, descendants of the Black Seminoles of Guajula, also celebrate Juneteenth. Um, so that's 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 the that's the article. Okay. Have you ever heard of Juneteenth before? You're from Curacao. Nope. We we never had Juneteenth. Do you have um, a holiday celebrating? Uh, to be honest, for um, this was funny because especially people from. You know, from where I'm from, from Curacao, they were debating on the fact that we need to have a national holiday for the slave that uh, guided the whole uh, fight against, you know, uh, the oppression and stuff, which was Tula. Uh, that's our national hero. Tula. Tula. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, Tula was about that mula. And, uh, <laughs> but definitely, uh, I don't think it's yet a national holiday, rather than, you know, people or we have more celebration of the, the winner's heroes. And we believe that uh, as, as our history shows, we need to put more respect on especially those slaves that made our lives possible. Because there were fights happening all over the world, but these were the ones that was leading the fight in Curacao. Mm -hmm. And we don't actually have a national holiday for him, which is, when you think about it, if I could recall, we don't have any actual day that we celebrate anything regarding, you know, how we, we, um, we, independence. yes, yeah. but we never became independent. We're autonomous, which we celebrate mm -hmm. on the 10th of October because in 2010, so curious how this year is going to turn 10 years old. Hey, hey we got to throw a big party, but there's no budget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so you grew up when it was called the Dutch Antilles? So, uh, yes. Curacao has been in several different phases before. Okay. In your lifetime? 
Uh, no, okay. but like in 1954, the constitution was formed in which the Netherlands had called uh, Curaçao, Aruba, Bonaire, Saint uh, Martin, Saint Eustatius, and Saba. That was called the Dutch Kingdom. So that was uh, the Dutch Antilles. Those, those are all Dutch. Yes. Okay. So in 1986. Aruba decided that it wants to become autonomous, mm -hmm. which is not similar to in being independent. It's like you're living with your mom, not in the same house, in the backyard, mm -hmm. but on the same address. So nobody can come to you without your mom knowing. <laughs> okay. So in 2010, which was the last shape of form we had of, you know, how the Caribbean or how the Dutch Antilles was transformed, Curaçao also became autonomous, mm -hmm. just like St. Martin. But Bonaire, uh, Saba, and St. Eustatius became part of the Dutch, uh, so from, you know, their overseas Dutch province. Mm -hmm. So, and that kind of boils down to everyone from these islands has a chance to get a Dutch passport? Yes. So, if you're born on any of these islands, you automatically get a Dutch passport. So, your, our, my citizenship is Dutch. Okay. But I'm, I'm from Curacao, which is funny because in the media, if I do something right, boy, I tell you, they will call me Dutch. But if I do something wrong, I'm from Curacao. I'm that guy from Curacao. Interesting. It's, I think it's funny in Buffalo as well. It's very much like someone from the city of Buffalo and someone from the suburbs. Like mm. how, how the, the, the TV media, radio media kind of like gives you these characters and they don't necessarily say it but it's these dog whistles yeah you know yeah now interesting now that you said buffalo because i was wondering i saw there's uh this is a special holiday in 47 of the 50 u.s states so do you guys celebrate this in new york absolutely okay uh, absolutely. How, how did you experience this uh as a as a child uh my father would um he worked for the the, the train company the, the the bus train like they kind of like public transportation public transportation for mm -hmm. the city of buffalo so they would have like a booth so it, it was in the morning in like the daytime on a saturday it was chicken on a stick it was like lemonade it was like some sliced fruit it was like little booths that had like had like small african uh jewelry african hats uh all the all the incense you could want to burn at once some records mm -hmm. You know, one or two people playing some music pretty loud, but they would always have in a in a in a black neighborhood, and it was in the daytime. It was like family friendly. They have a little basketball tournament, and it was usually at nighttime that there was a little bit of, of gang, gang activity, right? Brawl. Yeah, there's, there was. I think maybe one time we stayed too late. It was just kind of like, all right, like we should have left. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it was the honey like, was kicking everybody. Yeah, and it was you know. 2000s like late 90s Buffalo New York like and these the thing is Juneteenth is our only celebration like we also have like Kwanzaa for example and in, in, like um, in during Christmas time mm -hmm. but Juneteenth is really kind of like uh, it's it's the barbecue it's, it's the cookout it's, it's the a family cookout. party you know historical reenactments and everything mm -hmm. it's it is that and uh, it's interesting to see um, currently uh, Nike and Adidas have decided to give their employees worldwide. I believe more than U.S. I'm not exactly sure, mm -hmm. uh, but Nike for sure in the U.S. has given their employees the day off as a pub paid public holiday. Okay. You know, Apple has also had Juneteenth in their calendar for the last couple of years as well. Um, so little things are kind of happening, but. 
you know, we, we, you know this, this kind of brings up the trends of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. um, this brings up the idea of like, is this a trend? Is this just a one-off thing? Is this... Companies you know, this trying to like play the, the good black, guy. Yeah, is this just like the black square, you know, that on Instagram? Um, and even with, with the black square thing, it's like, I think that was, that was good for a lot of people to show solidarity, a lot of companies to show solidarity. But if you're not talking to your people and talking to your community and, and consciously engaging your community, you're not doing the critical thinking that needs to happen. Like, there needs to be that recognition, that there needs to be that like, hey, how do you feel? Is everything okay? Is this getting to you? Like, is, is, is this overwhelming? Do you need to talk about something? Because that's also part of mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think valuing someone's mental health, especially in a time like this, you know, Corona checking in on people, making sure people got stuff, you know, making sure like your homies got toilet paper. You know, week one, that was that was that, that was the thing. thing. It was like, yo, if you need something, you still have pasta left. Yeah, I was I was delivering food. I was I dropped off toilet paper to shoot a Vita mm. one day. And I was just like, that's that's what I can do for my community, because I also know that 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 physical generosity provides a mental stimulation that says, wow, people around here support me and people around here show their support. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's invaluable. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, um, from what I, from what I've noticed from the, so the, this co-working community slash kind of startup community, I think they're kind of intertwined because mm -hmm. startups happen in co-working. Yeah. It's a community. It's a community. Yeah. I didn't see the reflection in the Berlin co-working scene of, the the awareness mm -hmm. of a lack of diversity and an awareness of a lack of inclusiveness. Um, so before this trend and everything happened, how did you experience that? I experienced it, man. I experienced it heavy, man. Um, I experienced it everything from microaggressions, from kind of like colleagues i also experienced you know sticking up for other colleagues who had a language barrier and trying to make sure that they are treated correctly and not taken advantage of mm -hmm. um, because some people might see them as in a lesser position um, unconsciously no, consciously. Oh. Consciously. Oh. And this is and this is the part of it, man. It's like, you know, this is and we talk historically, man, like this 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 third Reich, this Hitler thing is not that far away, man. Like, you know, you talk about racism being taught, like or taught and learned. Hating someone is taught and learned and like judging people is taught and learned and mm -hmm. not not valuing people's thoughts and words to a point where it feels like they have no voice because that's actually what you want. Mm -hmm. That's maybe the des actual desire is to like hush, 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 hush until you can get them to just be submissive and lift stuff mm -hmm. and push stuff. Mm -hmm. When in reality, 
they can do more than you that. can do more like it's not it's, it's like not it's not um it's not valuing the artistic integrity it's like looking it's like saying like um there's a painting on the wall and like wow i'm so happy you got this painting here it's not saying let's discuss this art hmm. so i think that's hmm. part of critical thinking um and in, in my 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 own experiences um Yeah, I I remember one time I had a, I brought my passport photos and I had I had them in my locker, and I, I showed my passport photos to a colleague. I had my hair braided back. Um, I had glasses on maybe, but that doesn't matter. That's like trying to excuse like that's like trying to say like a woman had a short 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 skirt on. Mm-hmm. Um, to make like yeah that analogy, but. Yeah, he, he very quickly said, like, it looks like a mugshot. You know, and I was just like, it hurt. It hurt because I, I know he's from North America. I know that maybe this same suburban lack of, like, black exposure is something that he's maybe dealt with as well. Mm-hmm. But I also know that a couple of years ago, we had a black president, so... I also really would appreciate if when people looked at a photo of a black man, it wouldn't be they could labeled. Say, they could say like, "This looks like a president," mm. not, "Oh, is this your mugshot?" Mm. That's making me a criminal. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, dehumanizing me, and that's also something that like I carry with me because, like I said, I don't, I have if I when I speak up about this, instead of that person's realizing, shit, I said something so fucked up. I fucked up, yeah. You know, and like. Um, yeah, like this, this person actually reached out to me uh, after this pub- friend publicly on Facebook uh, recently, and I haven't been able to tell him because it just it 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 kind of hurts a little bit, you know. Like I I expect them to know better in a sense. Also knowing that like the lack of diversity, the lack of inclusiveness in that workspace. On Scala Tustraza was like very much a a vacuum for what I believe is a culture of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, on that note that you're saying this, you know, with the lack of diversity and everything, I have this following question for you. So obviously, you know, we there's definitely a sense of lack of knowledge because people will say stuff without even thinking for one split second. This joke might be funny to me, but you know, especially in today's age, you gotta be more careful on what you joke about, especially if you cannot relate. Yeah. Right? So There's a lack of knowledge, but there's also ignorance. And, you know, now, if we think moving forward, my question to you would be this. Is it us, the black community, to kind of push the narrative or to inform these people about it? Wait, or is it more that If they are interested, they will come to us. They need to be interested in coming to us because mm-hmm. at at this current time, we have to know 
their fears, we have to know their joys, we have to know their cultural expectations, they have, we have to know their cultural norms, we have to know about them. Mm-hmm. Because they are in the majority. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a cultural thing, it's media, it's... It's you know, everywhere. It's everywhere, you know, it's like... Um, yeah, so they, they need to they, they need to find a way to meet at Come least halfway. And, mm. and and no, not not halfway. They need to Full. find a way to fully extend themselves. Because this this shouldn't look like uh, was that Michelangelo, the, the, the two uh, the sixteenth chapel where the dude's like outstretched. Yeah. Like yeah. it shouldn't look like that. People should really uh. be trying to connect. Because at a time like this, you know, if you really value mental health you know, you got to really take a second to, to look at how you're really treating people because, you know, like, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear, like, in, in, in a closed office, much like this, to hear one of my bosses quote Hitler. And to also realize they also showed a lot of reluctance to being willing to quote this person, but still went through it. Mm-hmm. And to also know that I'm not the only person in the room but still did that. It still said it. And no, there was no other response from the crowd either. No, the other, the other person, and that, that's silence. And that is silence exactly... Is complicitness. Yeah, and now that you say that, that's why it's not okay to be, you know, like, not okay to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist, which I think definitely applies because just because, you know, you're taking part of what 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 uh, happened by not saying anything or by not coming forward and be like what you just said was completely wrong yeah, and it, it's it's not and that's the thing about community right if it is two white women and myself we're in a room and the boss says something and it's I hear it and this other young white woman hears it like who is it really on to police the boss you know like it's a it's a real it's a real problem because it also makes you wonder like if the other person who heard it is also who's also German like oh is this normal is this is this a normal thing to say because if it is then please speak up because there's three of us in a room and if this is fucked up I need you to also bring us in a room mm-hmm. and maybe with someone higher up to say this isn't okay this was fucked up you know but she's the thing is she was in a position where she nobody was, would no it's, it's different she was so benefiting from this she so benefits from the society mm-hmm. that for her to speak up she would lose everything mm-hmm. she was acting as a nanny acting as like a as a like a junior like person working with this boss mm-hmm. And I know if she speaks up or if, if, if even like when I told the other boss, like, this is what happened and she was in the room, like, I also have to think like, fuck, like, I don't want her whole future to be fucked up over this. But I also have to realize that that silence is, com- is such compliance. You need to you need to speak up without actually thinking how you ruined their future because they haven't thought about it when they was given the chance. And I think that comes as well with. You know, uh, especially black people. Actually, we have very, we're very, you know, friendly people, and we try to see the good in people. And you know, like, 
I'm sure a lot of people were here like, ah, let, you know, God bless them, don't say anything, don't do anything. But, we, you know, it's like, I saw this quote, <laughs> a girl had a cardboard and it was like, we're not our ancestors, we will fuck you up. Mm. Which is like, we cannot be like, because now we feel like we're slowly gaining leverage, you know, not to abuse of minorities, but if we do gain uh, uh, leverage, it's like, Finally, we can be in a position that they don't have anything on, on us, yeah, right? And I think, equal. yeah, so especially that, what, what you know, you, you probably, you didn't want to ruin their future, but it's within your rights to say something. True, true. Which they cannot feel any type of way about because that's the thing. People feel like they can say anything and get away with it. That's the problem. No, there needs to be consequences. Yeah. You said that, well, you cannot control what I'm going to say now. Mm. And, but this, and that's the thing also, is like, even hearing that quote, um, and I, I don't want to speak this evil either. I don't want to like actually say it, but it's, it's the quote that's above um, Auschwitz. It's this quote, right? And said it in German, said it in English, but like, I just don't know if like, even when I brought it up to a lawyer and the boss, I still had to trust these two white women to do the right thing, mm -hmm. to then tell on this other white woman. The truth. The truth. Like, and also, then she also has a chance of plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. You know, because then it's my word. Against, too. As a black man who, in this space, was discouraged to have a true sense of discovery because every meeting was microaggressions the slack channel microaggressions you know like and it was so interesting trying to figure out like do they hate me today because I'm a man mm. or because I'm black mm. but like the idea of reconciliation not happening is because I'm a black man mm -hmm. and okay. that was very clear um, especially from this one co-worker who, who used a racial slur and like that was that was too much because I also realized I was at that point I was beginning to realize like who do I talk to? Who do you go to? Is I don't have HR like and this is part of the, the co-working startup problem. There's not HR. There's there's not a dedicated HR who's even doing wellness checks. There's it's not someone making sure like your workload is, is a good amount of work and you're like dealing with that stress and like managing Mental those health. expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, like part of like the startup culture needs that. The co-working space needs that. And it's, it's, it's almost amazing that that doesn't exist because it benefits. The ones it, that don't need it. It benefits the ones who make the, who, who interpret the laws, which seem to be a lot of these companies who you don't see diversity in, in these mm. companies. You don't see inclusiveness. You, you, you rarely see a company of more than one black person. Yeah. You would never even see, a, I've never seen a startup of three black people. That's true. Maybe one, maybe. Two if you're lucky. Yeah, but like, you know, when, when you're in these environments, it's, you're, 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 you're told to be quiet. You're told not to express your, your feelings and like, when it comes to issues of race and like, you know, I realized that because she said this, she said, 
she used this in a joke. I started to talk with HR who wasn't even in my company. And I, I had to express myself to this HR person. This is after months of, this is actually after months of scornness and like mm -hmm. very like, very miserable behavior towards me. Like very visible, very direct. From the moment she would walk in the door, it was like, I hate Tariq. Like yeah. walking around, like stomping around, like doing everything just to avoid me, you know, like yeah. all of this. And it was like, it's also interesting to know that that goes on for months and that's allowed behavior because I can't be the only one who watches that. Yeah. Well, my sense is that. Yeah. So again, white supremacy. Like I'm not, like when I tried to speak up about it to HR, one time, doesn't work. We talk again. Which HR? Not even in your company. Not even in my company. Part of this larger company who's who's mm -hmm. there as well, um, who's basically the only company at this co-working space in Scarlet Sir. Like speaking with like like twice, maybe even a third time with this HR person, and I realized what the problem was. Implicit racist, implicit racial biases. She couldn't understand and our like understand my pain mm. I also didn't feel like I could say white supremacy or racism because those are also very triggering words when you say to white people and then they feel like they, they oh, get their guards up they get, get defensive you know but I, I, I really struggled with trying to explain to her like this is a system and I'm hurt and nothing was done only until a white woman talked to her. Also a white woman who knew how much pain I was going through from this comment and also from the months of scorn, hell hath no fury, no fury mm -hmm. as a scorn woman type of rage towards me. You know, and this is like, this is in some ways like my direct boss. And the, the colleague who, who took her time to, to, to say something, she was able to, to transmit her, 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 her pain. She was able to transmit her words as a, from the perspective, and to racialize it, from a white woman's perspective of pain to another white woman's perspective of pain. Mm -hmm. And only then, then and only then, was she able to actually realize something's going on. Mm -hmm. But then the Hitler quote comes a little bit later, and it's just kind of like realizing, wow, nothing's gonna happen. Even when the woman was, how it was described when she was let go from the company, it was, she's going back to college. There's no reckoning. There's no admit, like admittal to like what actually happened. There's no validation of Tariq, yeah, I understand why you feel this way. I understand why you we feel apologize. like you need to leave. Mm. We apologize. Like, they don't see that. And it's for arrogance, but maybe a lack of critical thinking. But that lack of critical thinking favors white supremacy. Mm, the lack of critical thinking. I like how you word that. You know? It's like, really, like, really, just talking with, um, it was my, my going away party. Um, like, I had to talk with the lawyer and the other boss and, like, tell them this. And really, it was to, to, to try to also transmit my, my fear, because I also fear, by telling that story to them and even telling my story now, I fear white supremacy. I fear her lashing out. 
I fear her getting upset and maybe maybe she loses her fucking job. But the, these things are said. This 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 institution was created. This culture was led. Like, I don't feel safe. And even in telling them, the boss and the lawyer this, I didn't feel safe. And that's also something, because my black body will be on display. In, for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, if she decides to take some type of retribution towards this. Because of the things that she said, and the, and the ways of limiting my growth. Mm-hmm. So... It's, 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 it's scary, man. I think and, uh, also as you get older, you, you kind of realize that, man. Like People realize they can do things with in, in immunity. Yeah. And you know what's, what's interesting? That the story that you're you know, sharing right now is definitely what we're seeing on full display, especially in the States. I mean, there's a lot of fake news going around, but definitely... The thing that you mentioned, like, who do you talk to, is the, thing, the same thing I would feel if I was, at this moment, a black person in the United States. Who do you call? Because you can't call the police. You know what I mean? Like, in the sense of, is exactly what, you're ex what you have experienced in a whole system. Mm. And just imagine, seven. just imagine the fear even that you are going through or you had mm. by this very, or I would say a smaller example of how a whole country operates itself. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not limited to America, though. That's the thing. No, exactly, exactly. It's yeah. everywhere, though. Hey, don't get that wrong. Uh, I read on Twitter, somebody said, um, I don't know why in the United States they're going so wild. Like uh, in Europe, we don't have racism. I was like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> If you just check the history, you guys created racism. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't, just because you don't see it on your Twitter feed doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it's like, catch yourself being biased. Mm -hmm. Catch yourself favoring one over the other for no apparent reason. Catch yourself not understanding why you like this particular uh, uh, the person that maybe applied for a position over the other one without good reasons. Mm. And when you catch yourself being biased, forgive yourself and make the right choice. Yeah, because that's the thing. Is that's, that's all a part of this is like, Black people aren't searching for revenge. No, we're looking for being equal players. Yes. Like we want to we want to level this and like we really wish that companies especially in this reflection that we see in Berlin, mm -hmm. they need to value at the basis community engagement. Mm -hmm. Now that is not even something related to race, but that mm -hmm. is involving going into the community and making the community in which you work in more beautiful. When I worked in New York for New York Cares, like the biggest nonprofit organization they have co companies basically pay them so they can like give them a good light for something Berlin doesn't do that Berlin doesn't have this like volunteering kind of air to it you know like mm -hmm. it's quite selfish in a sense like New York it was like really in New York if you didn't have anything to do you didn't have a job you know what you can do volunteer Join, yeah 
you can volunteer. You can help someone else. And the system for how that works is pretty good. But also maybe as a non-native German speaker, maybe those exist and I'm ignorant willfully mm -hmm. to seeing that. That's good, catching yourself being biased. Yeah, so I think the community engagement needs to happen, but on top of everything, inclusiveness and diversity needs to happen in Berlin. You know, companies like Zalando, from a conversation I had with a friend the other day, combing it top to bottom, top to bottom. Stories, collecting stories, talking to black employees. What have you experienced? That's a huge company, but they're mm -hmm. doing that also because they realize that Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and Reebok yeah. and Puma. The whole sporting the scheme. The whole sporting scheme, which totally benefits from from of black yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they, <laughs> they realize like, okay, how are we going to also, like the big companies create the wave. Zalando is just trying to stay afloat. Okay. H&M is just trying to stay afloat. But the big companies create the wave, yeah. pave the way. But it's, it's yeah. So Tariq, um, this has been a uh, very insightful conversation so far. Um, you were concluding, especially with the companies and stuff, you know, the inclusiveness and everything. But uh, how how do we move forward? Mentorship. We need we need the community engagement plan is is, is about mentorship. We have to get people from different communities together. We have to engage the community. We have to be willing to pick up people who maybe don't look like us, who look like us, but we have to be less selfish. You know, maybe it's a certain age, maybe it's a certain air around here, but we really need to diversify our friend groups and like also be interested in what our friends like to do. Mm -hmm. Because even for you and I, we didn't start hanging out often until it was running. Until mm -hmm. we both realize what's a mutual way we can both work at ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're not competing. We're not like even FIFA, you know? Even FIFA is competing. Hey, I'm Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> I took that personal. <laughs> Kobe was like, nah, what's there to be friends about? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not LeBron, I'm the old club. <laughs> I want to murder now, but yeah, 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 I understand what you mean. But yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's much more about like mentorship. Mentorship and, and like, you know, from, from the little. Film we we uh, we shot uh, last Saturday was also just like, hey, like, this is work. Like, we're gonna pretend for 15 minutes that this is work and mm. we take it seriously. And I think we have a, I have a good product coming out with that little film. <laughs> you better show them how your ass got smoked. <laughs> hey, Tariq was smart. He posted something on his Instagram. He was like, uh, let me show y'all how I outrun Gillard. <laughs> I was, you know, as Michael Jordan's meme, I took that personal. Yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> man, but yo, All right. Gilroy, I want to thank you, man. I want to really thank you for, for listening, man. I really thank you for having this conversation. And I hope that through these stories, and I, I don't, this is not a single story type of situation. Like, there's many stories, man. There's many stories. But I really hope that, you know, you're young. You have, you have the opportunity to grow big. But also don't forget, you got to look behind you and pick someone up. No, exactly. The idea is not to build a taller wall. It's to build a bigger table for everybody to eat. If I eat, we all eat. That's really, you know, and I never understood, especially, you know, the 
the people in positions to do this, they want to keep them for themselves. But I can make my, you know, I can make my generations eat, but still making all of us eat. Yeah. And that's that's how I see myself. You know, remember, humble yourself, and then we all gotta eat. It's just just, just that simple. Definitely. Um, all right. I just want to end this with a quote. Um, it's from Angela Davis. I have a hard time accepting diversity as a synonym for justice. Diversity is a corporate strategy. And diversity without structural transformation simply brings those who were previously excluded into a system as racist, misogynist as it was before. This is Diasportif Radio. Thank you for listening. Check out the website. Peace. Love. Thank you, Gillard.